This is 94.1 KPFA, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and 97.5 K24ABR in Santa Cruz and online at kpfa.org. Stay tuned. Up next, it's Cover to Cover. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who is Jennifer Stone with a reading from my memoir, Telegraph Avenue, then first published oh, long ago in 1977. End of the broadcast day. Watch little white dot disappear into infinity. Remember the incredible shrinking man. Remember his last words Hardly heard, somewhere, in some dimension, I still exist. When I hear the voices they are speaking, I hear them meaning me and saying they, aspirin, hemlock, clocks, and graves. If I buy an electric shaver, I will not cut my legs. If I write letters, refusals will come in the mail. If I go on a diet, the rest of the world will starve. There is a night wind there in the trees. I have hung wind chimes among all the branches. That is how I know. Autumn, 1968. The little epigraph here is from Revelations, chapter 3, yes. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. With my darkest eye, I see my village today. Our toes, red ivy in the autumn, covers houses near the park. When I see lovers lie beneath these leaves, I think of mongrels mounted in the dark. My thoughtful friends sit on the grass all hugs and humor. I see a pack of monkeys grooming salty scales, chattering, grimacing, scratching one another's 
patchy scalps and crotches. At the end of my village street, I come to an open place in the rock. The ledge is precarious, covered with moss. There is a cave in... A breakdown here. I know this is the window, the end of the labyrinth. From this place, I can see the end of this world. I'm in the limelight at the back of the moon. The mirror breaks. The sea covers me. Seaweed meshes are tangled around my throat. I haven't answered the telephone for days. I'd have left him sooner if I'd known. Late autumn, 1968. A black Republican in a stuffed shirt calls Martin Luther King a slaughter ram male supremacist. Always lords it over me, paternalism at best, phallocentric, never lets me off without the full treatment. There's getting to be a lot like work. Sexual slavery. Interesting. He pays back, but always a little less than he gets. Always takes his turn first, just in case I lose my temper, which I have been known to do on some few occasions. At which time... He cuts out and leaves me alone to stew in my own juice, as it were. He has never wasted his evening, not for... Oh, well, long time now, never lost his control over me. To punish him, I must punish myself. Not see him. Last night we went to a party with some... Hebrew professorials, it was low-key, but pretentious in its own way. He tightened up as we entered the room, and I watched him turn on the charm, make everyone laugh. I considered that maybe he had to do that to stay alive. I said as much to him when we were alone. He agreed in his way and said, well... Pickaninnies were smarter than greys and used their wits. I told him I thought it sucked. The world sucks, he told me. Not me, I said. Rather than be a slave, I'll be buried in my grave. And he said, yes, I probably would. He said, I should learn to dissemble and attach myself to a male with power enough to protect me. I said I didn't date Silverbacks. It isn't that I didn't really love him because I did. It isn't that we weren't really happy because we were, but we couldn't exist in the world. We were alone together as if We'd both been married to someone else. We came together like a pair of adulterous sneaks. (laughs) I know about the pecking order. I know about the sucking order. I know why there's so much sad in sadist. 
What I still don't know is, in all this, why me? Halloween 1968, the same shirt. Uh, Why me? I asked him. Why not? Said my stuffed shirt. Right. Some little kids come to the front door and they scream when they see a real skull in the window. And they see me dressed like Snow White's stepmother. Well, he's coming over after my kids go to bed and he called me to tell me so. He asked, who was I going to be this Halloween? The gray lady? Well, I told him, I hardly know what to say to an archaeologist. Ah, an Afro-archaeologist like yourself. You've got a sense of history, all right. You just come on down digging away at these ruins, dragging my alabaster ass out the archives and down your street. You come on up here to call my home a catacomb, rip off my shroud, Break my stone tablets and tell me my life is a lie. You call me an anachronism, you seething, paranoid, dumb buck. Do you really think you know who I am? I hang up. Turn up the kabuki music. Put that ancient skull by the bed. Light the candles. The white witch rides again. (sighs) Widely sees the bats. (laughs) He calls back. Midnight. Innocence, he says, is of the spirit. Naivete is of the mind. He gives me his diagnosis. You cannot stand what you understand. You must have been a Catholic in a former life. He hangs up, adding, he'll come over when I snap out of it. It's winter 1968. I met a man. In a radical therapy group, he gave the impression of warmth and civilization. I wasted the usual hours making myself attractive. Before seeing him again, I wanted to be sensual and civilized. The first time we were alone together, he read me Charles Bukowski's story about a Venetian mermaid, the copulating mermaid of Venice, California. It's about two drunks who steal a cadaver, discover it to be the body of a beautiful blonde woman. They rape her remains and swim her out to sea. This was the first stage of his foreplay. I dropped a cup of tea in his lap to make sure he could still feel. Then I read him the autopsy of Marilyn Monroe. 
it left him cold. <laughs> Summer 1969. How to waste precious time with the wrong people. <laughs> we take my children to the lake. When I lie down under a tree, he starts playing with my bathing suit. I get up and tie myself together, walking off on the path that circles the lake. The children hit the water and get as far away from us as they can. When I return to the beach, he says that walking off like that means I intend to reject him. I suggest I need exercise. He assures me that he is more than meets the eye. We met at a nude party. Ah, yes, I'll probably have to reject him. They seldom leave you any choice. He goes on to tell me that he understands Vaginal orgasms aren't the whole truth. A man's best tool is his hand. He lists his qualifications. He's had a vasectomy. His wife has left him and so on. I send the children for ice cream. Just as soon as they surface, I ask him to reserve sex talk. For private places, he tells me I am a prude. I agree as energetically as I can. Uh, he tells me that he is free because he's been through primal therapy. It's uh, hard for him to relate to me, he says, because I've never even been in group. His wife refused a primal because she thought the best thing for her self-image was to keep it. That's why he got divorced. I confide in him, explaining to him that having children is a primal experience. It was primal enough for me and it's probably primal enough for anyone living in the late 20th century. My first delivery was induced with some intravenous stuff. It was like an auto accident. The second time, I had to pull the baby out with my own hands. Damn, doctor said he was premature and might go back in. Uh, I made Stone Age noises, and everyone in the delivery room was thoroughly disgusted. I fill in this story with lots of detail, and my companion hastily joins the children at the ice cream bar. Primal slime is fine, but I wouldn't advise it on a day-to-day -day basis. I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. But I'd rather let that alone. My beach companion has returned. 
settled down to eat himself into oblivion. Now that I have finished with the subject of primal, I decide to tell him what I think of groups. <laughs> There's the academic group. Oh, great folks. So open-minded and generous. There's the pervert group. Every morning I walk to the subway. I see males from six to sixty standing under little bridges urinating into the creek, waving their penises at me. A grand group. And then there are friends. What about them? Take some of my feminist friends. The ones who are strictly party line. My old friend Sonia said to me the other day that I must be careful what I said on a radio show I was planning to do. She said, oh, of course, I was clever, but I said some dumb things, too, and she was afraid I'd shame the cause. My basic trouble, she told me, was I thought I was a novel. <sighs> then she came to my apartment and said my sons were male chauvinist piglets, regular studlets and all. <laughs> my Apollo, my Dionysus. And, of course, I wasn't man enough to tell her to stuff it. Women. Don't respect you unless you dominate them. <laughs> so much for friends, so much for groups. Remember school? Remember those groups on the playground? Once I did go to an encounter group. Curiosity, peer pressure. Ah, that was back in the days when I still used expressions like Peer pressure. It was a weekend marathon. It cost $40. In one exercise, we were supposed to remain silent and feed each other. A young male kept trying to stuff some foul-smelling cheese down my throat. He was one of the facilitators. I kept shaking my head spitting the stuff out. He blew his cool and told me I was anti-anal because I couldn't stand the smell. <laughs> Damn right, I said. Also, stupid as hell because I paid cash for this therapy crap. Ah, it is for these and other reasons I live alone now. I should say I live with my children, but my generation describes women without permanent mates as women alone. As I finish my lecture and observe my male companion, that's a comforting thought. I do live in a group, and we are very lively. Sam is an Aries, and Simon is a Leo. Three fire signs under one roof. 
I am a sad Sagittarian with nothing left to lose now except, of course, this little black book I'm writing. People's Park Summer, 1969. I live near the corner of Grove and Oregon in West Berkeley. There's plenty of trouble on this block. My next-door neighbors have barbed wire around their yard. I've gotten used to police cars and chaotic noises. Even so, last night was alarming until I realized I had left the radio on and it was only John Cage. This weekend... I'm taking a course in African literature at UC, all about the tragic elite in Nigeria. I've been reading, reading for weeks. I know all about these Nigerians who write in English. Their sense of loss, their nostalgia for a past that hasn't even passed. Most of last night... I read uh, Elishi Ahmadi's novel, The Concubine. It's all about a woman who belongs to the sea. The sea king sees to it that it is death to marry her. Yes. In the morning, Saturday, I am still in the dream in the place where symbols are the things themselves. Walking out the front door, I hear helicopters circling the town. I see a jeep full of Asian males in military uniforms. I come back inside, turn on KPFA public radio. The newscaster is playing the International. Then she says something about maintenance of order on the campus. I can't see very well because I read so late, but I go out on the porch again to look at the soldiers. I thought, they've won! They're Vietnamese, and they've won, and, well, it's peace, and everything is settled. I stand there drinking my coffee, looking at the men in the jeep. They're speaking English. Like the African writers I'm reading, they speak in English. Does that mean we won? Finally, I talk to them. I ask. They are Koreans. They are in the American army. So I can go to class, they tell me. Things on campus are settling down. Simon sees them. He wants to show them his American bomber plane. It hangs from the ceiling in his room. He earned it one day at the induction center in Oakland. All the demonstrators were so sincere. Liberal ladies like Joan Baez and her mother went to jail and 
All the best people were there. Sam and Simon were dressed as Vietnamese peasants. They were in a play on the street. The bomber came and killed them. It was made of paper mache. Simon asked if he could keep it. And the man who made it said yes. It's fall 1969. Another Berkeley afternoon on Telegraph Avenue. Ah, you can be just as lonely here at the Grand Hotel. We sit in the cafe. Ms. Magdalene in her tie-dyed hair shirt. She sits with the young males. Oh, take me for a ride on your motorcycle. Eva Braun rides again. Sooty Sal claims a mate. They all wind up dead, bumped off in a bunker, sent to a guillotine, hanging headless next to Benito, all loyal to the end. You can't tell them anything, is what I say. They nibble rolls, digest cigarettes, talking to Byronic boys with greasy hair and perfect teeth. Sing of the sad cafe, the suburban dropouts. Zorba the sneak, Lord Jim the narcissistic darky who admits he sold his own brother to Barnacle Bill the sailor as Bill barges in with a size Hemingway fish slung over his shoulder, sealed in a plastic bag. In the street, our leader is playing frisbee with the police. These are the days of the flowers. On a clear day, you can see San Pablo. They gave Timothy Leary a tangerine and some scraps. Um, scraps, some seaweed, some dry kelp. This, then, is the sort of scene which surfaces when cannons fire to raise the dead. They say the noise of guns brings up the drowned ones who hide at the bottom of the sea. They leave the darkness of the deep and we remember we see the floating debris. It is the debris, you see, that distinguishes us one from the other. That muck on the surface. What debris did you see? Flowers floating in the hair of corpses. Fairest cheek whitest hand rots in heaps on the sand. Well, better dead than dying, said the veteran at the bar who came back to tell us we ruined his war. 
leaves swimming with the raw sewage on the crest of these waves. While the surfer clings to drifting wood and mermen slip below, old condoms drift to shore near broken bottles in the sand. Sand castles near the sea moss at the foot of the cliff where the caves draw back and whisper. You've been listening to the voice of Jennifer Stone, reading from her memoir, Telegraph Avenue Then. You can listen to all the chapters in our archives online at kpfa.org. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Smart investment. Support KPFA Radio today. We make the most of every dollar donated by producing truly independent news, analysis, cultural, and public affairs programming. You are essential in keeping that information flowing and KPFA on the air. Invest today. Become a member or an ally as a monthly sustainer. Online today at KPFA.org. And we promise to stay as vigilant as always.